Hello and welcome to episode 234 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today in the podcast is a massive announcement in the 15, 16 plus years of Washed Up Emo. This morning, I launched a book publishing company called Washed Up Books. That's washedupbooks.com. And after two volumes of the anthology of emo, I really felt there was more to do in this space. And because of your support, it is time to make this thing real. So today I am proud to announce Red Letter Days, the debut novel from Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids, New Amsterdam's, and Terrible Twos. Today it's available for pre-order via washedupbooks.com. It's available worldwide. So wherever you are in the world, you can order this, washedupbooks.com or polyvinylrecords.com. I thought it'd be fun to recap the releases of Anthology of Emo and how we got to doing Red Letter Days with the designer, Jesse Reed. His day job is Order. He has a book series called Standards Manual, and he's in an amazing band called Shark Swimmer, where he is the drummer, and it will make sense as you hear the episode. Jesse was invaluable to making this a reality, and we go into the story about how we started doing books and how we dove into books and music and how he used to come to the Emo Nights back in the day. This is really overwhelming to have happen. So it's amazing to think that someone like Matt Pryor that I idolized has put pen to paper and wrote an amazing series of stories that I've been waiting to tell you for so long. So truly, thank you for the support in the podcast and the recent books, and hopefully you dig Red Letter Days. So shout out to everyone that helped make the anthologies happen, Polyvinyl Records, Ian King, so many others and the future of what we do next. So thank you to everyone. This is just the start of Washed Up Books. So this is episode 234 of the Washed Up Emo podcast talking about Washed Up Books and the new release by Matt Pryor entitled Red Letter Days. So pre-order at washedupbooks.com or polyvinylrecords.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This isn't it. I mean, it is crazy to talk to you now with washed up books, like having a, a release that's not anthology. So it's kind of seems like a whirlwind, even though the first one came, the first anthology came out in 2017. Do you remember? I mean, I think I remember the story about how we got connected and like, I don't, I've, it's probably been washed away from me, but do you remember, was it, was it, was it a mutual friend that, that told you about washed up? I mean, it was the emo nights. So somehow I got to one of those and I'm pretty sure like the first one that I went to, which was the one that like you had to go downstairs. It was like in the East Village. Idle Hands. Idle Hands. Yeah. So that's definitely the first one I came to. I don't, and I went alone, so I didn't even go with anyone, but someone must have told me about it. And I didn't know anything about you or who you were. I was just purely going because they're like, yeah, you should go to this emo night. They play like all your music. And then like I walk in and brand new is playing and just like everyone's like the entire bar is singing along. And I'm like, what the fuck is is happening? Um, so that, that was amazing. And then uh, I think then you started doing them at um, well, it used to be called No Name Bar. Now it's a bar in mm -hmm. Greenpoint. Um, and I think that's when, again, I don't know, maybe like our friend Isaac, uh, Isaac Daniels, like he's like a diehard Emo Night fan. I think he went to every single one. Mm -hmm. He's a graphic designer. 
maybe he spoke to you and then spoke to me and just like I had this other design friend he works at this place pentagram and i think i heard like you knew what that was and then basically i think i came up and just inter- introduced myself at one of the no name a bar nights and so that's how i at least learned about you and then eventually washed up and the rest is history but it all did start from from emo nights that's so cool i'd forgotten that part i had thought it was someone saying like oh i know this book designer but you had come to the nights prior to that yeah like maybe just said what's up to you or just like introduced myself and then you're like oh we should talk like i don't know if you had ideas for the anthology at that point but I feel like you had ideas for stuff and you're like, let's just, I want to talk to you about like some like design things and maybe it was just follow around like the washed up branding. And so that's what in and Isaac did that. Um, so you're right. You're okay. Yeah. So yeah. So Isaac, who, if anyone's on the website or sees anything on washedupemo.com, like that was all, um, yeah. Isaac. And then I do remember some street where I probably had gobbledygook ideas, which you have to sit through when you talk to me sometimes <laughs> is, about like, I want to do a book and I, I feel like I yeah. didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I think I kind of maybe had some of the inklings of what ended up being anthology of it being serious and not being a joke. I, that's, that's all, right. that was all my recollection. Um, at the moment, like, do you remember anything else? No, no, that sounds right. Um, yeah, the timeline is a little, you know, fuzzy, yeah. but, um, I think that was basically it. And then, you know, I probably showed you my, you know, my work or the work that we do at order and then the standards manual books and which I had already bought. I already had the (laughs) NASA one. And I think I was I think I didn't get the MTA one or it was just the NASA one just blew me away. So I remember even having that. So probably when you came up, did you have that out by the time we talked? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Because that came out in like 2015, I think. So I bought that as soon as I bought that when it came out. So that's so funny. So I, yeah, because you must have come up to me and then I was like, oh no, I already know who you are. Like, I was like, I already know what this is. (laughs) Yeah. I I think once I described like what I've, what I've done or what I've worked on, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, you must have, you know, mentioned or brought up the ideas about doing a book and like sort of printing the interviews. And I do remember sort of like what you just said, like immediately I thought you need to do a serious looking book and not do this cliche hot topic looking like broken heart illustration, you know, skulls and crossbones and whatever, like, you know, sort of like cliche emo looking stuff. And like, let's do a real almost academic um, approach to a book on the emo genre and the musicians and all the interviews that you've done. So I think we were both like on the same page pretty immediately about the approach of uh, doing an anthology. Yeah. I thought that was, that made me so comfortable. I remember, I do remember after that being like, Oh man, like I don't like, cause whenever I explain emo, right. There's like an, there's like a confusion. There's a, yeah. I have to explain something. And like for you, I was like, I think you sort of got what I was going for. And especially, um, I mean, if we fast forward to the first an- anthology, I mean, that was a journey because I was at work. I was trying to, you know, do my podcast. I knew I wanted to do this book. I'd never known. And you kind of really baby stepped me because I was like very confused, like, because I knew the music world. I knew how to put out a record and being yeah. able to like ha- have you explain this like book stuff. And I, I just remember 
of, you know, just, I mean, I had so much doubt, Like I was like, what am I doing? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, why does this, why is this, this like it? So I just think your, your patience was something that, um, helped me so much because I just had no idea what I was doing with, with that first one. Yeah. I mean, hell yeah. And like, we didn't know what we were doing with our first standards manual book. So I sort of had already gone through the first book, yeah. you know, baby, baby steps and like learning the learning curve and making mistakes or, or just, you know, just then like knowing what the process is and like how to do it. So yeah. Um, that was, that was a fun, fun first project for, for me and you. And then I remember, um, I remember, you know, having it come out, uh, or having the pre-order up and I forget if you texted me or if it was polyvinyl sending us a note of being like, yeah, we're already at like this number within like a, I forget what it was. Do you remember? Like it was, no, I don't. But I do remember that sort of happening. And it was definitely polyvinyl because I don't have any right. access to like the sales site. But I think they were like, yeah, it's like sort of like flying right now. And there's like hundreds sold within whatever, you know, the day or how many days uh, just that the pre-order went up. So and to be honest, like I wasn't that surprised. I mean, just with the sort of uh, community and the, you know, the sort of reach that Washed Up has and has had. Um, and this is like, again, it's like, it's really, it's really funny to think about the parallels between this and then our first like MTA book. It's like, you know, there's a core audience. And so you at least think like that core audience will be interested in this thing that you're making. Um, and so that's, you know, you have some sort of expectation there, but I think the fun and unexpected part is just when it grows beyond that and like it just you know exceeds expectations but um i think like in both of our cases there was such a core audience that and like we are the audience like i'm the audience of my like mta book you're the audience of this book and i mean i guess we like I, we both cross over in these things mm -hmm. but music and design fans but um yeah. Uh, so it's like, you know, you sort of rely on the core and then when it exceeds it, it's, uh, you know, sort of cherry on top. But um, yeah, I wasn't too worried about anthology gaining some traction, uh, at least in the beginning. But yeah, you never know what's going to happen. I also like that we decided like not to do digital. I like that mm -hmm. we decided to not do Amazon and sort of really push that thing early and I think it was more we didn't have time or we didn't know how to do the digital but it ended up being yeah. like a thing where people were like oh no you have to I think people were surprised initially um right like oh I you mean I can't get this and I I mean yeah. some people I joked with I was like you know you can listen to the podcast it's free yeah, well, <laughs> I was just gonna say it's like if you're on a device you might as well just listen to the podcast right but like the point is that we had this book that you could just like put in your bag and like go on the train and, and like sort of like skip around like you could just sort of you know start in the middle if you wanted to it's not a linear book like you could just start at any interview and uh yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I at least, and I think you do have a soft spot for the printed book. So, uh, yeah, I was excited that you wanted to also make that extension of the, the digital part, which is the podcast itself. Right, which was, you know, ended up being people, people didn't listen to the podcast, but bought the book, which I thought mm. was like, I remember hearing That's that from someone and going like, oh, I think we're on to something. 
Like this yeah. is this is a different person. This is someone that would never listen to a podcast but wanted to read the stories. And I actually the one thing I really enjoyed and I feel like you told me about this and I didn't realize it until I did it, but editing for the book versus a podcast was so interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's definitely different and I think you yeah, I mean you don't maybe realize it. Um like editing words that you read versus words that you hear and you know sort of like dialect and language you can get it's much more forgivable i think when you're just hearing people talk because you know it's just like the way i'm talking now is like if you read it on like words on paper it probably reads in a ridiculous way um so yeah i think like editing that down to make it read uh smoothly and without all the you know, intonations and whatever verbal mannerisms that we all have or that people have. Um, so yeah. And you know, it's, it was, you know, it was a learning process for sure, but, um, I like how raw I think you, and like, we still kept it. So that was like the good thing that we still like kept in like laughs and, you know, things that just happened in the conversation to make it feel like you could still hear what you're reading. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I hope that came across. Yeah. 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 No, I was just thinking like when I listened to, when I read Eric Richter's, I'm like, that's Eric. Like when yeah, I, what, yeah. it's so it's, it, it, it was, um, and also too, I think because of my job, um, I feel like I, f- I forget how long it took to sell out. Was it like six months or something or eight months or a year, whatever it was, whatever yeah. it was, whatever it was, we didn't do a reprint. I didn't have time. I think yeah. you were doing stuff or I just was like, I'm not, I, I don't know. Maybe it, I think it took a lot out of me, right? We did a tour. There was like events. Like I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to relax for a minute and do something else. And, and that almost helped V2 because people were sitting there trading this thing online and trying to find it. And so that was another funny part about volume two is that people couldn't get it. And so it made, it made it, kind of grow as the second one came out, which I, again, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, um, yeah. so yeah, we had two releases and then obviously with COVID, um, uh, you know, I kind of, everyone sort of was stuck in their house and, um, I was doing the pod a little bit more. Everyone seemed to open up their garage and feel like they had stuff and felt nostalgic. And yeah. I think, you know, f- during that, I, I felt there was more to do. And I, you, you and I, pro- you and I had those conversations about, God, there's probably more stuff we could do. And, and when I, this, and Matt could have a different version of this. Cause you'll, we'll hear from Matt, um, on a future episode, but I just remember, you know, him and I talking about a tour of his, and I think I just kind of expressed to him how I wanted to put out books. And I said, if you write these words, I'll put it out. And he actually yeah. did it. Yeah. And I think I remember calling you or being like, dude, Matt wrote something. Holy shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. this, this isn't just, and again, no offense to writers, but I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. I want to hear from mm-hmm. the artist itself. So, um, yeah, I was really excited and I got obviously to have this book that's coming out, um, as of today, if everyone's listening to it today or in the future, it is, has come out called red letter days by Matt Pryor. And, um, what was your initial thoughts when this kind of was coming together or you kind of knew that it was happening? Um, cause I know that you were a fan as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, almost when you were talking about it or telling me that you were even speaking with Matt about it, I was just like, it's, uh, I mean, obviously I believed you, but I was also like, yeah, that's like too good to be true. Or like, that would just be 
an amazing thing to happen. That would be amazing next title for you, like beyond the anthologies, but just uh, even have like a relationship with a person like that, or you have a band that I grew up listening to. And um, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I was immediately very excited. And I think, yeah, when you reached out to me about it, you had already been talking with Matt and I think he had sent you like the drafts of the, the chapters. And then either you or I just said like, let's just like make something so that we can show him that it would like what it would look like as a real book. And I think I put together just like the comp of uh, the very first draft of it, like within a day. And then I was just like, here's the cover. These are spreads. Like, let's just send it to Matt. And, you know, I don't think it was uh, his style or vibe, but I do think it was at least seeing the words that he just typed out become, you know, a, like, it, you know, it, it at least looked like it could become a real physical thing uh, in a book form. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, an immediate fast thing. And then, you know, from then, from then until now, there's been you know, a lot of iterations, a lot of work and it's evolved, but um, yeah, I was extremely on board and happy when you first told me. I had forgotten about that. You had did that that quickly. Oh yeah. I mean, it was like literally a day. Cause I was like, just get me the text and I'll, I can just like make this so fast. And you know, I'm pretty, I'm like in the camp of very, fast design um sort of like thinking about an idea and then doing it very quickly and not sort of overthinking it um and you know we both knew that this wasn't the real thing anyways it was like something just to show him like if you really want to do this like we can make it happen and i think we had proven uh with anthology that we actually could make it like we just did this twice um and you know, we can do the same thing with your book. So we just need you to write it and we'll take care of the rest. So I think that's what's, what's happened. Yeah. That was really cool. And then obviously, you know, shout out to polyvinyl who um, was so helpful early on. And like, I, I couldn't, I didn't have room for all the books in my, my studio apartment (laughs) in, in Manhattan. You didn't have room for them, right? You already had your own book stuff that you were doing. And so for polyvinyl to be like, yeah, we can ship this out. And like, that was that epic part where I was like, all this shit's coming together. I was like, Oh my God. Like, Oh yeah. It's <laughs> like, Holy shit. These people will help us ship it worldwide. Oh my God. <laughs> totally. And you know, I don't know, uh, the audience who's listening to this podcast right now and what their interests are, but like for anyone interested in self publishing, and this is what I told you, I was like, fulfillment is almost the number one biggest headache that you have to figure out in self-publishing, like designing the book, printing the book, like doing all that marketing PR. Not that it's easy, but like, it's fairly manageable, but literally physically mailing hundreds, if not thousands of books, like you just don't, you can't do that by yourself and in New York city and small apartments. So, you know, that's the one lesson that we learned at standards manual. Like we never shipped a single book ourselves. Like we found a fulfillment center and we luckily sidestepped, uh, any massive, like it just insane, like, you know, sort of like pallets of books showing up to your front door in Brooklyn and having to figure that out. So I think once polyvinyl, we've, you know, somehow you, got us in touch with them to figure out that they could do fulfillment and distribution. Like that was the number one, I think, uh, sort of big relief, um, from, uh, just a logistics point of view. So anyways, if anyone's self-publishing, 
go and fulfill it yourself if it's over like 500 copies that's sort of the uh yeah. threshold yeah say. i feel like that was the i think i remember feeling you have like this sense of relief like um yeah when, when I, I was when, like it's music now <laughs> yeah yeah it's like and then having us like anyone could order it around the world and like wholesale and and bookstores and libraries started buying it Right. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, my God, like this is in like a library somewhere with its own like, you know, number yeah. like this is crazy. And that was partly because of the distro. And I think people realized, um, you know, a lot of people were like, why is it on Amazon? And I'm like, go to the DIY spot and buy it. And it's three dollars more because of whatever shipping it is. But, you know, this right. is this is DIY. This isn't, you know, a giant place. Um and yeah, I think, I mean, there was a lot of people along the way that, you know, shouting out, you know, if it was Luke um, O'Neill doing the intro, um, so many of the folks that were editing um, and helping me with the transcriptions, uh, Satcher from Brooklyn Vegan doing one of the intros, um, really, really cool. They kind of stepped out um, alongside that. But um, yeah, we kind of wrap that, wrap those books up and Matt's book. What else was, what else do you think was different about this one other than having, you know, another human involved with their own sense of what, it, what it could be, which was a, um, which was fun to work around. I thought, because it wasn't just you and I, we had another, almost like a third party that helped. What other parts about it did you find, you know, interesting getting to this point for red letter days? I mean, this one being a memoir and not just sort of a transcript of, you know, spoken word, which like, you know, it's like the anthologies. I think like that was more, not like more mechanical, but like it kind of was. And yeah. even the way that it, it was designed uh, looked like that. And it was very, I mean, it was made to almost look like it was printed out of like a, like a, what are those like the old um, eight bit sort of printers, like the dot dot matrix printers, you know, that just printed like, or like it's, you know, like it's like a typewriter font. Mm -hmm. um, so it's made to look like very almost utilitarian and mechanical. And it's just like, you know, at the beginning of every paragraph, it's like the person's name who's talking and then transition to this one. It's just a little bit, I mean, it's deeply and extremely personal and not to say that, you know, what other people were talking about in anthology wasn't, but this one is just so, it's much warmer in the sense of, you know, from the personal perspectives and um, I don't know, there's just like a more humanness to this one than I feel like the other one, just in sort of the nature of like what it was and sort of this translation from, yeah, a podcast to a book. This one is just like from like the heart to the page <laughs> in a way, not to like sound cheesy, but it really is more of a soulful um, and yeah, warmer uh, sort of approach to a book than anthology. So I think just like the choices that we made and including, you know, images um, at the beginning of about half of the chapters and um, even like the, the typefaces that we chose, it's much more like of a, a human typeface and much more warmer than, a typewriter font um so it's just stuff like that that i think is different um but uh yeah i would say those are sort of the main differences that i see at least like from my point of view when i'm thinking about designing a book that's sort of the, those that's the big difference yeah no i i love that and then you know anything else about red letter days that um i was thinking like you know obviously having the different person but also like involved but then also like um, this was this person's first, you know, yeah. book. like this is also like, I felt like 
oh my God, we can't screw this up. I mean, it's out today, but it, we might screw it up. But I, I don't, I like, it was, it was like more pressure that it was someone else. And I, I kind of felt that a lot. Like, wow, this is taking a different swing. And this is someone's, like you said, heart on the actual pages, not just <laughs> me transcribing them. No, totally. I mean, again, like, I don't think we thought about this when we were doing anthologies, but you know, it's like, 10 or so people and it's just sort of like the supports of many people make it less scary to i mean you don't want to mess it up for anyone but yeah, yeah the pressure is not on like one single person that this is like their baby and i think like this was matt's baby and uh yeah so there's that pressure um yeah it's obviously you know obviously deeply personal so you want to do it in the right way you just want to yeah give it everything that you can but i think um you know, it was a real group effort and like shout out to Matt Wilson as well. Like all the mats in this project, there are many, um, just Ian sort of King. like helping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ian and, you know, yeah, like, again, like the, the guys at polyvinyl. Um, yeah, it's just like too many people. So, like, you know, I think like, yes, there was a lot of pressure on like me and you and like you in particular, like, you're the one sort of leading the imprints and then, you know, I'm sort of helping whatever on the design side and gathering things. And then yeah, Ian coming in with, you know, writing and editing and sort of that perspective and just sort of, I think having this core team, which like, as I don't know, I think you're a very independent person. I'm an independent person. And like, we do things very independently, which is a good trait to have. But then I also think once you start to like really build a team and support around the project that you're doing, um, it just gets better and better. And just like, we, I think we pulled in the right people for the right thing. And yeah, everyone uh, pulled the weight. And yeah, huge shout out to Ian for um, sort of taking the text and shaping it into the final thing that it is right now. Outside of, you know, we've got Red Letter Days, obviously, there's going to be be a lot more with your day job, right? That as a book designer, yeah. like how has how has this you know been for you? And then obviously you're a huge music fan, and then you know getting to spend time on this, like what what is that? And you, this is not groveling. This is like just more. You could even be like, this has been a giant pain in the ass, Tom. But like just more <laughs> of like how how is it sort of? I feel like, you know, you're also a musician, you're in a band called Shark Swimmer. Um, like, how is it, these kind of, I felt like a lot of these things overlapped as you were doing your band stuff too. Yeah, um, I'm definitely fortunate to have my professional life and then my, I don't know, fun life of doing music um, overlap quite a bit, or at least like from time to time. So this is, yeah, one of those overlaps where, um, working on music projects as a designer is like one of the most fun projects to work on. Like for me, I always say it's music and food. So I'm just like a, yeah, I'm a food person. I like eating out, I like going to restaurants and, you know, just like exploring that world. Um, I'm not a good, uh, chef or a, like a person who cooks very well myself, but I appreciate that. So when, when we, when we work on restaurants and like design, that's, a plus and then same thing with music and then yeah like us then playing shows with shark swimmer and just being more in that world which like i haven't always been i mean i've been in that band for like five years and i think before that um i was really sort of like out of out of the scene a little bit i wasn't sort of like totally caught up and i think now playing in a band for again for the past five years has integrated me um a lot and has been uh i remember us overlapping on some bands and not others. But what I loved about it was that you were sharing tunes with me that were like bands I hadn't heard. 
And I got stoked on that. <laughs> and then when you sent me Shark Swimmer and you're like, this is mine or this is my band. I was like, what? Like, again, I'm not saying I'm the be all end all of stuff, but like I've pro- I've listened to a lot of music. It's my job. And like, yeah, this yeah. is fucking rad shit. So I was like, why have you not been playing? I think that was my <laughs> response. I'm like, why haven't you been in bands? And I know that things happen and you're a drummer. So there's only so much fucking space to put a drum kit and practice space. But yeah. I just was so I just you were so stoked. Like I could just tell that you were so amped on this and, you know, you got connected with really rad records recently and um you know i just i was just really i don't know i was excited that you hadn't done it and then you were and then you were playing with all these bands i hadn't heard of and so it was like opening my eyes like i just thought it was like i don't know i was like getting like residual like band scene points i was like fucking hey i'm 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 like understanding more because of jesse thank god you know yeah (laughs) so did you totally what was it like you know i mean DIY, you guys were, you know, doing it for a while and then getting connected with really rad, I think was, I mean, a massive step. Yeah. I mean, definitely like fast forwarding up to the beginning of this year is so yeah, we, we recorded, uh, our first full length. So that's called serenity, which yeah, is now out on really rad, but you know, we just recorded that ourselves. Um, we did it with John Markson who, you know, does a lot of work with drug church and Koyo and, you know, a bunch of other people. Um, and I think, you know, Justin, uh, our singer, he got in touch with him through something. I mean, Justin sort of knows everyone everywhere in like every music pocket, I feel like definitely in New York and and elsewhere. So Justin got in touch with John. Um, We recorded it on sort of the smallest, but actual budget that we possibly could to make it, you know, sound like a real album. And then, yeah, shopped it around to a, you know, a good number of people. And then, yeah, really rad out in uh, Portland's um, responded and they picked it up and yeah, helped us release it. So that just came out. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. So yeah, a lot of releases happening between records and books. And so, yeah, I mean, this is like the most fun I could, I think I could like possibly have is just like playing in a band, releasing albums, working with independent publishers, publishing books, and then doing also my own design work, which like, to be fair, can be very like corporate and not sexy and not cool looking. But there's a part of me that like, that's just what I went to school and learned. And like what I studied, I studied very sort of, you know, buttoned up corporate design. And for whatever reason, I find something very satisfying about systems and things that are very strict and (laughs) sort of a lot of like guidelines to things. Um, But like the band stuff is where it can be a little bit more not even like experimental, but looser and have much more of that emotion and feeling to it, which again, just bring it back to like red letter days. I feel like that is the side that, um, you know, can be actually more fun and less restrictive where anthology, you know, that one was really like, you know, it was like academic looking and it was buttoned up. Um, but anyway, so there's like two sides that I love to explore. And I think, uh, sometimes they're contradictory, but I actually think that's, that's interesting. So you don't have to always do one thing all the time. And like people, when they hear shark swimmer and see me play, they're just like, who are you? Like <laughs> that it's just not my personality. Like I'm a very sort of reserved, quiet. I listen to like classical and like jazz music during the day. I mean like sort of like in the mornings and then I'll throw on like touche amore sort of in the afternoon, just like lose my shit. But 
and then yeah i'm just i think drums are my it's like my yoga or something it's my my practice of meditation but in a very hot and sweaty uh aggressive <laughs> sort of i manner. love that yeah. I didn't even know that we've got, we've talked on the phone for hours and hung out. Like I'd never, I, now I see that parallel and also too, you being a drummer is so like regimented. I feel like that's your, like both personalities of your work and personal life with the band. Totally. Yeah. I mean like, it's funny, like Garrett, uh, our design director at order, I think someone was asking me like, how, what's my style of playing drums. And then he just answered for me and he's like, it's as if it's like it's what you would think of him being a designer it's like the designer translation of playing drums which is just like very not it's not like a very jazzy style it's like i, I try to be very tight and precise as like and like exactly perfect every single time so i'm not just like riffing i, know, I wish i could but i'm just not very good at that and i think it's the same thing as like with design i like have to think of an idea then i have a process an approach and a method and it's very methodical um, so I think my drumming is like a reflection of that also as me as a designer. I like thinking grids and also in drumming, I think in very a gridded sort of structure, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And so my conversa conversation with me must be absolutely annoying because I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm definitely free form and come up with a thousand things and then we do one of them. Um, but it yeah. takes a while to get there. No, that's really cool. I mean, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity to, you know, work together and I thought, um, you know, knowing about your previous work at Pentagram and then you starting order design was inspirational for me to see. I mean, you like left this like prestigious place and then did your own thing. And now that's successful and releasing books. It was honestly an inspiration for washed up books. Cause I kind of saw you do that in a way that was true to you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think again, it's like that independence that at least like I grew up with. And I think that you probably, you know, uh, uh, sort of share the same qualities, but I don't know. I just found I, I find a, a deep, you know, satisfaction and gratification with uh, just going and making something and not worrying too much about like what will happen with it. I mean, I think you can't be totally oblivious to things, but I do think um, like the chance of it failing shouldn't be the reason you shouldn't do something. And like that's the worst thing that could happen. It's like, OK, you put out a book and no one buys it and that sucks but like if you love that book or you love that project enough to do it like the fact that you just did it like should be enough and then if other people like it again that's just like bonus points but so that's just how i sort of feel about anything that i do it's like i only do things that i really am proud of or want to do want to do with other people so whether it's a band or you know books with you know my, my partner hamish or you know the studio and doing order like i at least like thought like we can help some people by doing this and so then therefore it's like a reason to do it and if we fail i'll just go back and like crawl into pentagram's office and like beg for my job back like that's the worst thing that could happen so yeah so i'm glad that resonated with you it's uh and like i i try to make that very clear to people it's like if you want to put out a book like just do that <laughs> like and there's so many resources that allow you to do it at this point 
Um, there's no, like you and same with like, I think about it with music. Like you don't have to, I mean, obviously I'm all for record labels and, but you don't need like the majors anymore. Like, you know, you could find an indie and like have them put it out or you could just put your stuff on Spotify and on YouTube or whatever, release it, but make an Instagram page. And like, if people like it, you, they'll play it and you'll, you can go tour and do your thing. So it's same with like publishing, like you don't need a major publisher to create a book anymore to have it out in the world. Like you could do it yourself. You could do it on Amazon. If you want to do that, you could do it in so many ways. It's just like, there's limitless choices. So anyways, that was my, that was my rant on independent anything. I'm, I mean, you just fucking finished the podcast. That was fucking great. Jesse. <laughs>